Welcome to the Brothers and Others Podcast. I'm your co-host Sam Marsh. And I'm your co-host Jacob Marsh. And together we are the Marsh Brothers. Welcome back to the Brothers and Others podcast. I'm your co-host, Sam Marsh, and today we have our NBA playoff preview. Uh, I know, obviously, we are a little late to the preview, so we appreciate everybody being patient. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties that we had to work around. Um, With that being said, I think you guys are going to enjoy it as we have O-Town and Danny Jenkins back. A quick update with the current playoffs since uh, we originally recorded this before the game started. Uh, the Bucks are up uh, one game to zero. Uh, oh no, excuse me. The Heat are up on the Bucks one to zero with Giannis leaving the first game, but uh, he is coming back, so that should get reversed. Uh, Celtics are leaving the Hawks one to zip as they look to take a two to zip lead tonight. Uh, Sixers pulled it out last night against the Nets and are up two zero. Very interesting. Uh, they're one of only 23 games this entire season where both teams combined to score under 100 points. Uh, Knicks are up on the Cavs one game to zero as the Cavs look to even it up tonight. Uh, we also then will go to the West Coast as we get the Nuggets leading the Wolves 1-0. Uh, Lakers pulling off the victory against the Grizzlies as I had thought. Uh, then one of the best surprises is something both Marsh brothers were looking forward to. Sacramento Kings up 2-0 against the Warriors. Uh, last but not least, we have the Clippers leading the Suns 1-0. That will be another exciting game tonight. Once again, we just wanted to thank everybody for continuing to listen. Uh, you can always email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com for any questions, comments, concerns, or anything else you want to hear on the pod. I hope you enjoy. correction in there real quick that'd be great <laughs> we'll get that put in the bio yeah um but yeah i mean great to have you on uh let's hop into it i know right now chicago miami they just went into halftime with miami up by five i think it was 49 44 uh i gotta be honest uh i really thought chicago was gonna win this one kind of handily miami looked totally depleted yeah, not to mention, like, Miami was getting hammered on those boards against Atlanta. And not that, well, no. I mean, I guess Chicago does have some pretty quality bigs. Like, they got Vucevic, who is, uh, you know, a, a real threat on the offense. And then they got Drummond, who uh, is not what he used to be, but he's still a pretty meaningful body to have in there. So definitely surprising that they're holding their own so far. Yeah, although I will say I don't think it really matters – uh, who either wins because no. I, I think the Bucks will roll over. Most definitely. Yeah, I, I think the the fact that it's a close game shouldn't really surprise anyone, but I would be lying if I said I thought that Chicago would be losing at halftime. I was very convinced based on watching the little last part of the season with how they performed, especially when you compared it to Miami. I mean – Obviously, I think Miami is probably a better team, but they just haven't been playing like it is the problem, you know? So, I don't know. Either way, though, Milwaukee's going to steamroll. 
absolutely all over. Are they the better team, or has he culture just continued to make us all trick us on to thinking they're a better team? I'm sure that's part of it. I mean, toe to toe, I feel like I'd take the guys on Chicago's team, you know, above Miami's. Just you, you just got more names there. I feel like, whereas Miami's getting like really surprising production out of guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess, but. You know, I, I guess when you take these two programs, both seem to have a lot of dysfunction. So, you know, it's kind of leveling the playing field in that regard. Yeah, 100%. Well, and I mean, I'm always surprised that Zach Levine doesn't play better on a more consistent basis. I mean, he's definitely an all-star talent. Uh, I, I know he is all-star before, but he hasn't gotten all-NBA, has he? No. Mm, I don't know. No, he definitely hasn't. Sure. There's way too many guards that would have been above him. But still, I mean, yeah, Chicago, like you said, Danny, just seems like they have a lot more talent on paper. Uh, but I will say it would be better for Chicago to lose just so then they would get a higher pick in the Wemby stakes. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, at this point, it's kind of like a, a weird conundrum in the playoffs, you know, where it's like, well, do we want to compete for the opportunity to get whooped by the Bucks, or do we want to, you know, take our 1% chance at a generational talent that we probably won't get? Yeah. Well, at least then we'll get fined uh, three quarters of a million dollars, which I still think is kind of weird. Like, I understand, like, why they did it, but I don't understand how they would do that and allow the other tanking to go on. Um, I mean, I do understand, like, just the optics of the one, you know, couple last games and how the Mavs did it versus season long. Like, hey, we're not going to be very good and just play our bunch of young guys. But still, that seems kind of weird to crack down on that. I agree. I feel like it's just the fight club effect, you know? It's just Adam Silver coming out saying, you do not talk about tanking. Yeah, I mean, they've provided the incentive for teams to do that, and it's just, it's not even a secret at this point. It hasn't been for quite some time. I mean, how long have you heard Charles Barkley talk about tanking on the TNT crew? I mean, he was just complaining about it tonight, right when we first turned on the pregame, so... You know, it's just one of those things that until they make a rule change, there's just, I mean, there really isn't a better way around it, at least that I can think of at the moment. Yeah. And ultimately, like, what they're fining them for is just a verbiage, right? Like, it's it's the difference between saying, like, well, you know, now we're focused on lottery odds versus a very sideways way of saying the same thing, but instead of phrasing it like, well... It's the end of the season. You know, we want to protect our guys' health. We want to make sure that, you know, they're in good shape for next year or some other, you know, alternative way of more or less saying the same thing, which is just that, like, we don't want to trot out our best players to try and win and, and you know, come up in the same place three games from now. A hundred percent. It's just all about how much lipstick you put on the pig. Yeah. <laughs> well said. Uh, I mean, on the other side, it's kind of exciting to see Minnesota crumble apart. Um, and I think it would be really cool to see uh, OKC in the first round of the playoffs. Um, do you think they have a decent shot pulling it off against Minnesota? I'd give OKC a pretty good shot. Yeah, I mean, you got Shea, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Sorry, I always, I always pause for a sec because there's so many names that I read in my head and that as soon as I go to say it out loud, I'm like, wait, have I said this before? Am I going to look like an idiot? Yeah. Was like a <laughs> have I said this name out loud? Because I know I've read it a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was like a two-year stretch where I was calling Terry Rozier, Terry Rosier, until eventually <laughs> I, I said that to someone. I was like, wait a sec. 
I'm an idiot. Um, but you know, like they got the the safe version SGA on their team who seems, you know, has really come into his own. Like he, he's, he's shown this season, like he's, he's no joke. So, you know, that's, that's one of the main things when it comes to the playoffs, I feel like is that star power, having that guy who can just put people on the, on his back and carry them. But even past that, you know, OKC just kind of seems to be in the zone. Like they're, they're hustling, they're grinding, they're, they're really working. And that's something that like, I don't want to say no other team has, but it, it seems like they've got it in enough quantity for it to be an advantage. Yeah, and with all that young talent, I just think it would be really great for them to be able to get in a playoff series, even though it would be against Denver, and I wouldn't really expect them to win a game. They could probably win a game against Denver, Yeah, you don't I'm think? sure. Th- uh, I'm, I don't know. I, maybe sneak one game, but th- I feel like that's still asking a lot. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it will be interesting to see what Denver looks like when the playoffs come around, though. I mean, let's be honest. They've been pretty much in, uh, whatchamacallit? Neutral? Yeah. Dead space? Not neutral, but Sliding almost cruise, down. Contro- cruise control. That's what I was trying to think of. Sorry. Cruise control for a large part of the season. So what does it look like when they rev the engine up again, so to speak? I also, uh, back to OKC, I knew Jalen Williams had been playing well, but uh, on the pregame, he was number, well, he was one of the three finalists for Rookie of the Year. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize he had been playing that well. Wow. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. So I assume Ben Caro's, you know, one of the other two. And then what, like uh, Kessler? Is that who they're saying is the third one? Yeah, Yeah, Kessler was the other one. Yeah. And I, I mean, maybe I just haven't been paying close enough attention to those teams, but the, the rookie conversations this year have, have felt very bizarre to me. Well, I mean, it's really just been like Boncaro, I feel like in a landslide. I, I didn't really think, I know I saw the go arounds online of the one beat reporter uh, voting for Walker Kessler, but I was <laughs> surprised. Well, it's because he did like all the advanced stats and stuff and he said, oh. I'm an analytics guy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there, there's that for sure. And I mean, it's, it's tough for me. Cause you know, like I, like I'm, I'm in, I'm in analytics professionally. So like, I don't want to talk down about it, but at the same time, like, I feel like it gets misused a lot because at this point in time, like our capacity for analytics is like several, you know, five to 10 plus years ahead of like our understanding of analytics. So you got a bunch of people that just take stats and treat them as catch-alls and they're like, well, check this out, you know, like their offensive rating or their, you know, total rebound percentage or their, you know, whatever other convo, I guess rebound percentage isn't convoluted, but you know, like whatever other, you know, overly, complicated catch-all stat there is people want to point to and just say like this is the the overall metric on which people should be evaluated but it doesn't seem that like many of the people that want to make those those claims have the kind of background to back it up no yeah and to your point i think it's still something developing within the nba and how to use it appropriately because there's a big difference between looking at the stats and saying oh this guy has the highest efficiency rating and then just watching them play basketball and be like, Hey, he's actually good or no, that guy sucks. Yeah. And then on top of that, I've been having a problem with just the amount of like invoking 
team competitiveness or just team quality overall in, you know, sort of rookie ratings or rookie of the year race or all rookie teams and stuff like that. Like I was reading a piece by Zach Lowe recently. He talked about Keegan Murray and he's like, Keegan Murray's a shoe in for first team. You know, not many top five picks can contribute on a winning team in their first year. And like, first of all, they definitely can, you know, like you put Ben Caro on the Kings. It's not like he's fading into the background. Same thing, most likely with Jabari and, and Jaden Ivey. Like these guys are clearly capable of putting the ball in the hoop and you put them on a team with better defense and like the knocks they have on the defensive end probably disappear a good deal as well. So I, you know, I, I this, this came up last year and I was a, like more keenly aware of it because of the Cade rookie of the year case that I was trying to make, but you know, people just seem to be really factoring in like team performance in a rookie, you know, performance appraisal, which is just bizarre to me because one of like the, you know, main aspects of being a rookie is that it's likely you're getting drafted to a bad team. You don't always get drafted to a bad team, but like most likely you will be. And I don't know, it just, it's, it's really thrown me for a loop, the extent to which people are waiting, you know, team performance and deciding who the best rookies are. You just wish there was some some way that it could be slightly less objective to nominate and have, you know, person XYZ on each team. But, you know, it's it's just how the voters do it. It's also crazy that so many local reporters, I saw this screenshot on Twitter, and it seems like a lot of local reporters in different areas throughout the country will get votes. So that always seems like it's going to give the home team a little bit of an advantage too, when they're doing the all NBA teams and things like that. But yeah. Well, I think there's a hundred voters and what 30 teams. So I would imagine each team has like one vote per like beat writer, just to right. be fair, just because at the end of the day, you know, I'm sure some people have admitted that have voted before. It's not like they've been able to watch a ton yeah. of games of every single team. And then you have more national people who would have a better idea of the national comparison of the teams. But no, I agree with you 100%, Danny. I think it's ridiculous that people would factor in team performance for a rookie um, conversation because really Shaq is the only one I can ever think of that came in and immediately made his team better his rookie year. Yeah, LeBron too. Um, But other than that, it just doesn't really make sense to like – put that on the rookie when it really is just about, Hey, to your point, the best one is most likely not going to get drafted to the worst team. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, it's not that I necessarily so much have a problem with that being like a factor in, in people's assessment of rookies. Like, you know, we, we can talk about whether how, like whether rookies do contribute to winning it or not and how much, but it's just, it seems as though, whether out of laziness or character limits or, or some other constraint, you know, people are really conflating being on a team that earns more wins with contributing more to wins than other rookies. And those two things are very much not the same. You know, like I said, if you put Ben Caro on the Kings, like they probably have the same record. They might even have a, a better record by a few wins. So like, are we really, I mean, I don't think anyone is saying Keegan Murray is better than Ben Caro, but you know, that's, that's kind of the principle it plays. It's like, if you want to, if you want to invoke the team success and in t- saying this rookie is better than the other, it, it's not enough to just quote the team's record. Like you have to also make a nuanced argument about what that rookie did for that team that the other ones couldn't do. And that's, that's the thing that I feel like has been missing in a lot of these pieces is people talk about how well a team plays and this rookie on that team and stuff like that, but they don't, 
they don't really get into like what they're doing, the specific skills that are bringing to the table, like the players they're playing with and, and trying to do, you know, any sort of thought experiment and like, all right, let's take this guy in a vacuum. Let's switch him out for this other guy, put him on that same team. And like, how different does that team look? Yeah. And it looks like we have our second uh, special guest of the pod tonight, Andrew O-Town Alexovich. O-Town, welcome. What up, doe? How you boys doing? And how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Sorry for joining late. I appreciate you guys accommodating my uh, my schedule. Yeah, of course, man. We're happy to have you. We were uh, just uh, talking, uh, finishing up talking about the playing games that were left, and then uh, we're then transitioning to talking about the rookie of the year conversation and uh, about how wins were being factored into that and team performance. Which is total garbage, in my opinion. But hey, (laughs) I don't have a vote, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, hopping into the Eastern Conference, uh, we'll take it like straight from the top. It's going to be the Bucks against uh, Atlanta. Uh, what are you guys thinking about the series? I mean, me personally, I'm not really looking forward to it that much because I feel like it's going to be a really easy four e- four zip sweep for the. Going to play the winner of the Raptors and the no Bulls. Yeah, they are. The Raptors and the Bulls already played, Jake. The Bulls won. The Bulls and the Heat are playing. Oh, Bulls and the Heat are playing for eight. Excuse me. Oh, yeah, yeah. my bad. Oh, okay. Damn it. <laughs> no, it's all good. But the same principle applies, though. Yeah, same principle applies. Yeah. They're going to be playing Miami or They're Chicago. And I guess, you know, right now, although the Heat has a five-point lead, oh, yeah, they're up six on the rebounds. Yeah, we'll see. But either way, I definitely think it will be a sweep for the Bucks, nice and easy. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really even sure who – well, all right, I guess the game's not decided yet. In my head, I was working out, like, what, what strengths do the Bulls have that the Bucks can't really match? And whether it's the Bulls or Heat, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that changes a whole lot. Like, neither team has someone that can guard Giannis. Yep. Maybe Jimmy Butler is a slightly better suited to that than – or maybe Bam, I guess, over Butler. But either way, you know, maybe maybe the the Heat have a little bit more defense for Giannis than uh, than the Bulls. But outside that, you know, it's I don't I don't know what either team has that they can exploit against the Bucks. Like Bucks have Giannis, they've got Brooke Lopez, who's been in the Defensive uh, Player of the Year conversation. They've got Drew Holiday, who was what All NBA, or he's on people's All NBA ballots at this point, or something along those lines, either way, you know, like bucks just seem too stacked and neither of these teams seem to have the cohesiveness to make up for the lack of talent to match. Agreed. I don't have anything to add to that. I think that was a very thorough analysis there, sir. Uh, I, the big thing for me is always Giannis, any team and people are, are yeah. literally, that's what they've been spending. They've been spending a lot of capital trying to find somebody to defend Giannis. Um, I'm blanking on who it was. It was, it was the Bulls, I think, who think like adding Pat Beverly was going to help defensively somehow. Like uh, Drew Holiday, sure, but uh, anyways, I agree, Danny, wholeheartedly. Go Bucks. I also like Giannis a lot. Big fan of the young man. PJ Would Tucker, love to see them. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. That's what it is. Hundred <laughs> percent. <PJ. laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say that's good about the series is that, you know, obviously it's going to be easy for him. And I know Chris Middleton has only ended up playing, uh, what is it, 33 games for the season. So it'll be good for him to be able to work back in with the team in the playoff atmosphere. So, um, the one thing before we switch topics that I should add, I feel I feel obligated to, on the last pod you guys had us on, I picked the Heat as my dark horse to come in and, and make some noise in the playoffs. And I actually kind of still stand by that for the reasons Danny listed. They at least have a Jimmy Butler and a Bam Adebayo who could at least maybe slow down Giannis. I just, you know, it's going to be tough to do it for four games. Yeah, that's very true. But you never know. I mean, heat culture, man. <laughs> they can win it two at home. Anything's possible. Um, going down to the next one, and I would say is definitely going to be a much more exciting matchup. Uh, Cleveland against New York. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, that's going to be kind of an exciting headline as he was potentially linked to going to the Knicks. What are you guys looking forward to about that matchup? Man, I just, I, I, I am going to, like my my five myself from five years ago is gonna hate me for saying this, but I'm a big fan of the Cavs now. Like I just like the way the team's <laughs> I like uh you know, I like what they did last year. I thought Mobley was I mean, obviously a home run in the draft, but he was also like a really well fitting addition to their team next to Jared Allen. I thought uh, you know, um Oh man, Garland taking the step that he did, that was huge and that was much needed. They've got a couple guys like Okoro who are like showing up and being defensive stalwarts and things like that. But then this summer making that move and getting Donovan Mitchell, like that to me is the kind of move that can put you over the top to contention. I don't want to jump the gun on that because, you know, the Cavs haven't really, haven't done much. I mean, they, they've got a great seed for the playoffs. They're second in net rating in the entire league. So I don't want to rule out what they did in the regular season. But, you know, for me, when it comes to playoffs, I feel like if you don't have prior success, then like whatever you did in the regular season almost doesn't matter. This is your chance to be like almost there and then come back the next year. But yeah, I, I like the, I like the Cavs a lot. What kind of blew my mind is that the, um, the Knicks were rated really high. I want to say in, in offensive rating or maybe it was defensive rating but the Knicks had like a like their their ranking on on a couple stats was surprisingly good for as little as I sort of think of their of their team construction. That's shocking. Maybe it was offensive. You, I, I you know? never would have guessed that, Danny. I know you, I would have never guessed that the Knicks are uh, top five in any statistic. Yeah. So I'm very surprised to hear that. Yeah, I'm not finding what it was. Okay, they're third in offensive rating. That does surprise yeah, that's me. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. In offensive rating? What? Yeah. Brunson yep. Burns. It's Jalen Brunson, dude. It really is. That what a great offseason acquisition. And man, do your Mavs look a little sheepish for that one. Ooh, a little, man. Mark Cuban has uh crapped his pants probably two or three times this year alone. I mean, it was a disastrous end for them, unfortunately. But uh, really yeah, was. I mean, to your guys' point, I I think the Cavs are going to win this series in six. That's my pick. But um, Cleveland, if there is going to be a team in the East that beats Milwaukee, in my opinion, it's more likely to be a team like Cleveland just because they have so much size to throw around to match with Milwaukee and 
no other team in the East has the depth that uh, Cleveland does at the center position, you know, with Mobley and Allen. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty dangerous combo if you're trying to stop Giannis. Agreed. I, mean, I, I love Cleveland. I would like to reiterate Danny's sentiment there. I also, you know, being Detroit fans our entire lives, um, it's hard to swallow that pill. But I, I, I think they're a good underdog story. A bunch of a, a very solid young core, and they're fun to watch. Well, and they were easy to hate because of LeBron. And now yes. it's like you're rooting for their success without LeBron. So it's a bit more yes. palatable in that regard. I don't know. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're right on. That's like an underdog story. You know, they've, yeah. they've, never, they've never been successful without LeBron. Um, and he even came back and proved that he's the only thing that can win in Cleveland. And thankfully, and these guys are small too. Obviously, Mobley and Allen aren't. But you look at that that backcourt of Mitchell and Garland, and that is a tiny, in comparison, uh, backcourt to any other team in the NBA. I would have to imagine they got to be bottom three as far as height. And that's cool. That's impressive. Which works since Jalen Brunson is pretty tiny too. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. he is the main reason that I think the Knicks have a chance against Cleveland. Uh, I definitely think the Cavs will win win the series, but Jalen Brunson, I mean, Jake and I were able to see him a lot last year, and I he really turns it on. Uh, and I really think he can will that team to at least a couple wins. So I, I think it will go six. I wouldn't be even surprised if it's seven, but – I'm really excited to see what Evan Mobley can do in the playoffs. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, I, I'm going to be, I wouldn't be, I agree. And I'm picking Cleveland, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks won. I hadn't looked at their roster in a minute. I forgot they acquired Josh Hart. Um, and with, I mean, they're kind of like a, a, a misfit group of, of athletes who uh, haven't been wanted. Julius Randall had a very unceremonious departure from LA and he's had a hell of a year. Uh, Josh Hart, Jalen Brunson. Like, all right, New York, I see you. And with Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson, they could slow those bigs in Cleveland down a little bit. It's going to come down to what guards are going to be able to put up the points. Yeah, and I mean, I thought Cleveland was going to have maybe a little bit of an edge because Randall's status initially was up in the air, but they did confirm today that he was going to be back in time for Saturday's Ooh, game. Wow. Yeah, man. Hey, here that's we big. go. Yeah. That's a, I feel like that's an under-the-radar, like, pretty great matchup, you know? It is. Like, you've got a couple microwave scorers in each team. You've got Donovan Mitchell. You've got Darius Garland. You've got Jalen Brunson. You've got Emmanuel Quickly. And then you've got, you know, twin towers on both teams as well that can bring some mm-hmm. defensive and offensive punches between Der- or between uh, Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson and then Mobley and Jared Allen. That should be a you lot know, of fun. You mentioned Emmanuel quickly, and that's a young man who I did not expect to have the season he did. His, his second half of the year was very impressive to me. His offensive efficiency was off the charts. Yeah, he was a top three finalist for most improved player. Really? Wow. Was he really? Yeah. Did he uh it wasn't he up for six man of the year too? Oh no, my apologies. You're right. It's six man of the year, not most improved, my bad. Who was Still. Uh, who's in most improved this year? Do we know? Uh Laurie Markinette. Let's Markinen, go, Marky Mark. Jalen Brunson oh. and uh who was the last one? Oh, uh, Shy, yeah, SGA. Ooh, wow. Dude, you got to go marketing. I'm, 
I also put money on this, so maybe that's a little bias. But um, <laughs> I, I think that he's hands hands down. He he was like an, a toss in chip in that uh, that Rudy Gobert trade to to make it happen. And like he was an afterthought. He was an afterthought when the Bulls traded into Cleveland, mm-hmm. and then right, he was an afterthought right? to Utah. And now the kid's a stud. I think it's got to be Laurie Markkinen. That's my pick, and I'll win like eighty bucks. So that that's cool too. Yeah, I mean that, that's a strong argument, the eighty dollar one for sure. I'd agree. With that. Like he, he was definitely like he was. I feel like he was just a negligible asset that was thrown. Like it almost seemed like it was for contract matching purposes. You know, it, it honestly might have been. That wouldn't surprise me at all if that that's the only reason they acquired him. Uh, and then who's their GM? Right? Or their GM? Super famous guy. Why can't I think of his name? Danny Ainge. Uh, Thank right. you, Danny Ainge. He was pissed. He was pissed that they won so many games this year. And it's all Lori Markinen's fault. And Walker Kessler. Kessler balled out. Oh, dude. I'm so pissed. I'm so glad that I I still ended up pulling off that fantasy league win because I should not have traded Walker Kessler. And had I not done that, I think I would have walked away with it just hands down. It wouldn't even been any close matchups. But I did. And for De'Aaron Fox, which everybody was pissed off about. And sure enough, Walker Kessler just continued on the upward trajectory. Yeah. It's exciting. And apologies uh, to you as well, Tom, for not introducing you as the Motorcade Fantasy Champion 22-23 season. Congrats once again. Thank you, man. It's my first one in, what, 12 years? I can finally quit now. Jeez. <laughs> Please don't quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, Danny. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we got some heavyweights on the podcast. Well, sadly, <laughs> my franchise has seen better days in the motorcade. At least I do have one championship to my name in that league, though. Yeah, you do. I mean, that's that's what counts, you know. I think I only got one in that league as well, but that's that's how you end up in the Hall of Fame. Um, exactly. But Danny, I'm going to point out that your win it will always be. Uh, burned into my mind was because you actually week one of that season. Now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, friends of the pod here, Danny traded me Andre Iguodala, his second round pick week one of that season uh, for, I don't even know what, and ended up beating me in the championship. (laughs) And to this day, I'm just never going to be able to forget it. So, Danny, it was a hell of a win. It wasn't just a win. It was a freaking impressive win. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It's among my proudest accomplishments in life. Uh, uh, The next matchup, which is definitely the other one in the first round of the East I'm looking forward to the most, uh, Philadelphia against Brooklyn. Uh, definitely did not think Brooklyn was going to do anything the second half of the season. And it's not like they did amazing, don't get me wrong, but to, I really thought they were going to fall off a cliff. And to see Mikhail Bridges make that leap he has, um, I think they could win maybe one. Um, but, you know, I think it really is just going to come down to Embiid uh, as well as like the health of James Harden and how James Harden is going to decide to play. Yeah, that's one of those ones where I feel like, uh, you know, the the mentality is going to play a larger role than people are accounting for. I mean, I still like Philly to come out of it, but they just they seem to have internal issues. You know, they just keep shuffling around that team. They don't really seem to be able to land on a final formula. 
the one thing they seem to know is like, all right, Joel Embiid's our guy. But past that, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they can decide whether or not they want to give Paul Reed minutes. It seems like Maxie's been up and down. They haven't quite found like the secret to unlocking him for, you know, consistent long-term success. It's one of those things where I, I, I think Philly's more talented, but I think that like the identity that Brooklyn has now as like, you know, not unlike New York, just kind of like this this group of guys who who might be a little underappreciated, who were treated as as just kind of trade fodder for Kevin Durant or for Kyrie Irving. Like they've got something to prove and they might come out with a with a lot more energy than Philly is ready to max or ready to match in the in the first couple of games. And that could really set the tone for things. Yep. Preach. That's uh, th- and honestly, if you're in the locker room, if you're coaching that team, that's exactly the messaging. I think you just hit the nail on the head. Is yeah. is we are younger, we are we we are more hungry. They are desperate. Desperate teams and desperate people make bad mistakes. They force plays, and like that young group of Bro- in Brooklyn, all they got to do is just play loose. They don't need to be playing too fast, and 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 just go play basketball. They they played impressive team basketball for only playing twenty four games together. Um, I would love to see them make that upset and. Healthy, I don't, I don't know if they have a chance. You know, it, it would take some very impressive basketball to beat that that Philly team. But all it takes is a Joel or a jo- uh, James Harden or a Tobias Harris ankle, and and now it's a completely different matchup. Not to mention they have Doc Rivers as a coach, who I'll never really trust in the playoffs. And so, I, yep. I mean, much to your point, yeah, I, I don't think. Brooklyn really has like a realistic chance, but at the same time, there is an identifiable path that I could see uh, where you mentioned one injury plus then Doc Rivers doesn't really know how to make any adjustments and boom, all of a sudden Brooklyn ends up winning in six or seven. But I definitely think Philly will take it away in five. So I'm going to, I'm going to make a high school water polo reference here real quick. Um, it's, it, it honestly, it's, it's not too dissimilar to the, I mean, it's very dissimilar. Who am I kidding? It's high school water polo. It's professional basketball, but, uh, it reminds me is a better way to say it of the 2018 state championship, Okemos V Hudsonville. Hudsonville had smoked us. They'd only lost one game all year. We hadn't, I think, been within eight goals of them at any point in time. And then, and we came out hungry. We came out much hungrier than them. We wanted it more, and it took five overtimes, but we came out on top. And and that's the approach that Brooklyn will have to take is is the hunger. Uh, and, and like I said, Philly's got everything to lose. Brooklyn has everything to gain. So it's go out there and, and roll the dice, man. Go shock the world. You might as well. And if they do that, Mikhail Bridge is about to be getting paid, and not from basketball teams. He's going to be on Gatorade bottles and on TikTok advertisements. I don't know how does TikTok ads work. I don't even know. But boys going to get paid if they pull off that. Yeah. And I I think to your point too, O-Town, with Brooklyn, if they're going to win the series, they have to do it game one. Because if Philly gets ahead of them, you know, two games to nothing, the series is going to be over. But if Brooklyn can steal the first game or the second game in Philadelphia, they have a legit shot at winning the series. Because if there's one thing that I have seen in my experience is that James Harden and Doc Rivers don't always necessarily perform the best under pressure in the playoffs with their backs against the wall. You are correct. If they take a game in Philly, this could go to seven. And again, they might not pull it off, but if they take one game in Philly, 
man, oh man, they could easily, not easily, but you, I agree dude, Jacob. That's all I'm saying. I can say less. I agree. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you as well, Jacob. Like it's, I mean, to put it in different terms, like Phillies just got guys that disappear sometimes, you know, and it's not to say that Brooklyn doesn't like it's, I'm not going to wager money on Spencer Dinwiddie always being, you know, someone that you can rely on to be running the running the offense or anything like that. But, you know, the guys on Brooklyn that do disappear like James Harden, sometimes, you know, Doc Rivers like that. Those are much more impactful guys, whereas like the main impact guys on on Brooklyn They've kind of just been there all season. You know, you got Cam Johnson, you got Mikael Bridges, and you got Nick Claxton. Like, none of those guys really seem to take games off. So, you know, to your point, like, if they come out and they're swinging and they get, you know, one one or probably just one, but one game on the road or something like that, you know, that's that's a strong enough start that, like, you know, all bets are off, in my opinion. Yep. Lunch pail crew coming to work. And they're, they're supporting <laughs> cast. Their roster is so much deeper. I mean, you, you get down to, like, 9 and 10, and, like, those are guys that are first off the bench on Philly. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that, that also plays a part, which comes back again into their health. Philly's got to stay healthy if, they, if they're going to. Agree 100%. Uh, rounding out the East, we got Boston against Atlanta. Uh, that's another one where I think it's going to be a sweep, which, Same. once again, I'm only looking forward to just because I don't like Trey Young. <laughs> um, I was really disappointed when they won. I was really hoping they wouldn't even make it through in the play-in. Yeah, same boat. <laughs> Dude, they got Sadiq Bay. Just, Come uh, on, guys. That that did warm my heart. Seeing Sadiq Bay, you know, scoring playoff points was pretty cool. But Atlanta's a pretty easy team to dislike. They just yeah. have a weird construction. They've got some guys who seem to always be at each other's throats and stuff like that. It's It's shocking that they still have John Collins. You can only put a guy in, in trade conversations for so many years and, and still be able to, like, not have a toxic locker room, which, again, I don't think is – like you, you get what I mean. They, they, they don't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the offers, they clearly weren't getting nearly enough for John Collins. Otherwise, they would have gotten rid of him by now, you know? Like, Hold up. You, you mean John Collins, the six foot nine, 25-year-old power forward? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. Six foot nine power forward. Right. Uh, who's making twenty three and a half million dollars this year? Slam dunk participant contest. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but some guys just aren't really worth your ask. And then you got to wager. Hey, how does my guy actually feel? He might say he's feeling okay, but is he really? Is he really happy playing basketball for us? And, and for me, I'm sorry. I don't know John Collins, and maybe I'm wrong, John, but. Uh, I don't think he's he's all in on Atlanta. So you're never going to get his, his maximum out. No, definitely not. Do you think they'll have to move on from Trey after they lose the series to the Celtics? Um, I don't think they can. I don't think they can. They traded Luka for Trey, effectively, right? And uh, they they seem to – like they've hitched their, their cart to this horse. Um, and not unlike Portland and many, many other teams who have tried to build around one guy and be loyal to him, um, I think that's what's going to end up happening in Atlanta. Do I think they should trade him? Absolutely. I just don't think they will. I think the issue with trading him is it's just, you know, you're, you're not getting the kind of superstar return for it. Whereas if you keep him, you might get superstar production. You might not, but like that possibility is there. But I just don't see anyone giving up Godfather offers for Trey Young at this point. You know, like 
maybe what was it his second season when they went to the the eastern conference finals you know like at that point sure like maybe some people were like this could be you know our donovan mitchell type acquisition that pushes that pushes us over the top or something like that but at this point it's like does anyone really want to trade for because he's he's not even super tall right like he's a pretty short short point guard with without much defense like that's not too uncommon an archetype in the nba at this point yeah he's six foot one a buck 64. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal talent and someone somewhere could certainly unlock a lot from him, but I just don't see too many teams making him priority in their trade conversations to the point that like Atlanta is going to get a a package that would justify it on their end. So I think, I think you actually just absolutely crushed it there, Danny, because kind of like we were just talking about with John Collins, it seems that the Atlanta Hawks front office has very unrealistic um, valuations of their assets. So, yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. yeah, they're playing a weird game where it's like, listen, we're not getting this out of him, but you will. And therefore you should pay. As though, you know, that's he's yes. right now. Oh, man, it, it, I know it doesn't look like a Mercedes Benz, but it drives like one. You're going to get a Mercedes Benz. Uh. Uh, so going into the next round of the East, uh, obviously no disagreements in the first round. It's going to be pretty clean cut. Uh, going in the second round, Milwaukee against Cleveland. Uh, what are you guys thinking on that one? I mean, once again, I think it's going to be a great matchup with the size, but I have Milwaukee in five. I have Milwaukee in six, so... I don't have nuanced enough projections to give you guys a game estimate, but I like Cleveland in that matchup. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I think that Donovan Mitchell is that sort of like contention style move, like adding him to that team, I think was a big enough ad that like they are now in the, in the conversation of, of potential NBA champions, even if right now they're a four seed. Um, but even past that, you know, I, I don't dislike the way that they match up. Like they've got those big guys up front. So it's not like Brooke Lopez's impact is going to completely nullify their front court. Like he can guard Mobley or he can guard Jared Allen, but like they don't have someone to shut down both of them, in my opinion, even with Giannis on that team. Um, I think that Mobley can give Giannis trouble. Like he's a pretty quick footed big at seven foot and he's obviously got great shot blocking instincts. Um, so I, I think that they've got a, a good guy to match up against him. And then I just, I don't, I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Every year there's a handful of teams. So I'm like, this is the year age catches up with them. And to be fair, I'm frequently wrong about that. But I kind of feel that Milwaukee's crossing into that territory. Not because of Giannis or anyone, but just because like, you've got Brooke Lopez, who's in his 30s. You've got Drew Holiday, who's in his 30s. You've got Chris Middleton, who's in his 30s. Like at a certain point, those guys can't play 40 games every night, even in the playoffs. And the the Cavs as they're currently poised, like I'm not sure there's a single guy on that team who couldn't play the whole game if you asked him to. Yeah, Danny, I'm gonna go ahead and also, I'm, you know, at some point in time, I'd really like to disagree with you, especially when you <laughs> when you present an opinion first. But I I also agree. Um, adding to that, the depth isn't there for Milwaukee. And, and it just, it concerns me, you know, looking at, looking at both of those rosters side by side, I mean, really like Grayson Allen, like Goran Dragic, you know, like Wesley Matthews. And I'm thinking about guys who are playing like Bobby Portis is solid. Chris Middleton's solid, but 
and you know Giannis and, and Drew Holiday. I, the rest of that roster isn't. They're not going to score the basketball. And, and sure, they they could be very solid defensively, and some of those guys are three and D guys. Yeah, but I I I kind of like Cleveland. Cleveland's got the speed. They've got the youth, and they've got a tank. Giannis can put up fifty. Um, cause all they're going to be able to do is throw Okoro at him and what Chetty Osman, uh, they'll be able to throw bodies at him, but they won't really slow him down. However, I don't think that Mil- the rest of Milwaukee will be able to keep up with Cleveland. And I'm kind of surprised I'm saying that, but I dig it. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because you mentioned one of the reasons why I think Milwaukee will win it uh, against Cleveland is their defense. I I mean, to me, for the NBA, offense can get you through the regular season, but defense is what wins you playoff series and eventually the championship. And, yeah, I mean, to your point, I mean, that's definitely what I would say is Milwaukee's concern is the age and their health. You know, like I mentioned, Chris Middleton is still coming back, so – We'll see how that plays into it. But on the flip side, once again, with the playoffs, that experience is what I think can win a lot of the series when it comes down to teams. For sure. And Brooke Lopez being 35, he's definitely going to give Mobley and Allen some trouble. Um, Yeah, we'll see, though. I I keep looking at that backcourt, and I just really think he's 35. Brooke Lopez is 35, and he's having a career year, best year of his entire – of his life. Um, which is bizarre for a center at, at 35 a, a, a seven foot tall center who's 35 and has had nothing but foot injuries his entire career it's it's very impressive um, but it's the guard play the backcourt I love I really I just want to see I want to see what they do against Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen yeah it's going to be an exciting series uh, on the other side of the bracket, it would be Philly against Boston, which I think is just going to be amazing. Clash of the Titans. Think it's going to go seven, come down to the wire. Uh, but once again, I mean, much like my concerns about the first round for Philly, that's going to be my concerns for every single series they would potentially be in is the health. And then is Doc Rivers actually going to be able to guide the team through the playoffs? I, I just really believe that. 08 championship was a aberration and a lot more about the players than his coaching. Um, what are you guys looking forward to about that series? I mean, I was going to say from my perspective, uh, one of the things that I see is if Joel Embiid is healthy, Philly's going to have a chance to win every single series that they're in. He was, you know, it was either him, Giannis, or Jokic that will ultimately end up winning the MVP award. He was absolutely dominant. And the Philly, you know, the whole thing with Philly and their chemistry and the coaching and everything, they're still going to go where Joel Embiid goes, uh, you know. So, um, but I'm with you, Sam. I think Boston wins that series in seven. I like Boston. I think they're deeper. I know that they haven't had, you know, the greatest regular season of all time, but they were in the finals last year. You know, as you just mentioned, that definitely counts for something. O-Town, what are you thinking? Sorry, boys. O-Town, I, uh, yeah, I'm still here. Lennon, Lennon came in for bedtime, so I just gave her a big oh, hug dude, and a kiss. So apologies. What, uh, what series are we talking about? No, not at all. 
No apologies needed. Um, we were talking about uh, Boston against Philly, and actually, I didn't say that I thought Boston was going to win. I just think it's going to go seven. I kind of, I haven't decided who I think is going to win. To be a hundred percent honest. Oh well, I'm taking Boston then. You taking? What Boston? are your thoughts on that series matchup? I, I don't know. I have a hard time not picking Boston. Kind of the same reason. I mean, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys can score the basketball. They've got a really solid, just exciting core. If Robert Williams can stay healthy, that would be a big benefit, but he's had a tough time. Is he even healthy right now? Uh, thought he was playing. Robert Williams. Oh, I don't think so. We have right? a guy checking it. He's... Either way, you you know what I mean. He's been up and down, and he started the season injured, and he's he's had a tough time staying on the court. So I think that's going to be a big factor because otherwise they're going to have a tough time slowing down even Paul Reed off the bench filling in for Joel Embiid. I mean, Al Horford's Looks solid. Like he's not slowing down like Joel. Seven games out of the final ten games in the season, so you know they're certainly being a little cautious with him. And then he he missed a stretch before the last ten games, but he does seem to be you know, at least court ready, if not, you know, ready for 36 minutes per game. Okay, we'll take it. Well, then, yeah, I think that's what it's going to come down to, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I like Boston in that series. Um, I, I could see it going to seven. It wouldn't surprise me if it were a five or six game series either. I just think Boston's like in that zone right now. They're leading the league in net rating, which you know, these, these are related, so not entirely surprising, but they're also above Philly in both offensive rating and defensive rating. Um, Jason Tatum, you know, I, I'm hoping is going to be kind of driven by not really being in that in that MVP conversation. Um, and I just I just think that they've got like the better culture, you know, like we were talking about before in the first round. Philly's got guys that can just kind of sometimes disappear. They've got some dysfunction that seems to chase them each season. Boston, I think, is you know, mainly just struggling with injuries. So they come into this and they've got their guys healthy and they're ready to go. Like, I think they can really put the hurt on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And once again, I mean, that's a kind of concern for me with Boston is like, what's their health going to be like? But I definitely think more likely not, they'll be the one that pulls out on the edge over Philadelphia. Um which would get us to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Jake and I would both have Bucks against uh, Celtics, but you guys have Cavs against Celtics. What are you thinking uh, that matchup is going to be like? So I'm maybe narrativizing this a bit more than I should, but I think that, you know, Cavs make it to the finals, and I think Boston comes out of the finals, or sorry, Cavs make it to the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think Boston comes out above them. Uh, and this is me like just kind of making up the story in my head, but you know, Boston made it to the NBA finals in the bubble and they got beat by the Lakers. And since then they've been back to the Eastern conference finals. What once I think, um, but either way, you know, I, I think that that bit of experience is kind of like there. All right. We were right there. We didn't get over the top, but now we know what we need to do to get over the top and they're going to reappear and make a pretty serious run for the championship. On the flip side of things, I think for the Cavs, this will be their moment of like, we were right there, but we didn't get over the top, but now we know what we need to do. So they they come back next season and they'll, you know, likely have a top four seed again, but this time be a much more serious threat in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I think if it's Cavs, if it's Cavs Celtics, I think Celtics come out. 
Honestly, if it's Cavs or if it's Celtics Bucks, that one's more of a coin flip for me. I just like the way the Cavs match up against the Bucks. I I dig it. I I agree with that one. Much better than than Cleveland, but we'll see the backcourt again. I like those those young guys. Yeah, I don't know, guys. I have a tough time picking these. These are hard to these are hard to pick. <laughs> He's very far down the line, you know what I mean? Because there's already so many. I don't even remember who I've been picking. Um, it's just going to be fun to watch. Oh, well, no, and especially with all the health issues this year, I think that's what also makes it so difficult because one go- guy goes down for any of these teams, and I think that can really change a lot of the series. Um, and I hate saying it, but it happens every year. There's always an injury that affects one one team throughout the play. It feels like that, at least, that there's always at least one injury that has a direct consequences to who advances and who goes home. But me personally, I think the Bucks will make it to the finals. I really like Giannis. I, I think he's going to drag that team along. And as long as, uh, you know, Chris Milton, Jay Rue can play decently well and the defense is there, I think he's going to drag them to the finals. He could. He easily could. That's Again, that's why they play the game. It's fun. Jason Tatum could also do the same thing. I could see Joel finally doing it. I kind of think Joel's going to be more like a Charles Barkley and never get a title, but, you know, we'll see what happens. That's fun. I love the playoffs, man. I don't know if you guys knew that about me, but I just freaking love the playoffs of any sport. I mean, quick question for you guys, if anyone knows off the top of your head, but what was the last team that won a championship centered around uh, a, either a big in general or more specifically a center? Anyone know? Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, probably. But maybe that says something, you know? 12 years ago was the last time that someone managed to make that formula successful. So that might be a piece of why Embiid's seeing the, the level of success that he is, or rather the level of success that he's not. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. No, Kevin Durant would not count in the big man category. No? No, he's like a small forward power forward. He's not a power forward center. Yeah. He is a big man, though. Yeah, he's a very large man. The um, Lakers, possibly? I would say the, the Shaq, all of Shaq's championships. Yeah. Tim Duncan. Yeah, I'm, I'm more Duncan. just thinking in the current era, you know? Like, they've made it kind of difficult to succeed on the back of, of, you know, bigs in the post. And obviously, Embiid's got his three-point shot, which is, you know, fine. It's nothing to write home about, but he can at least hit him. Um, but I don't know. It's It's... It's tough for me to imagine what that looks like in the modern day. I mean, Jokic is as close as it comes. And even then, like, I love Denver, but I'm not sure if I'm treating them too seriously yet. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it is kind of a center revolution because Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Sabonis, Wemby, like, but, you know, it, it's, it's not the traditional center. Like, if it's going to be surrounding a center, it feels like it has to be somebody that can also be a guard and push the floor guard multiple positions Hit yeah the this was something i was talking with uh i can't remember who it was but like it, it definitely seems like if you're going to build around a center they've got to be able to play make out of that post you know like they've got to be able to score too but you know no one's really becoming a big name center without being able to score from the post but in addition to scoring they've got to be able to pass and that seems to be you know what's leading to to some success for these new for these new bigs 100 percent 
Um, moving on over to the west side, we got Denver going up. Uh, I think it will be against OKC. I really don't see Minnesota beating them. Um, plus, I just think it would be hilarious if they did that Gobert trade only to lose in the play and, and I feel like it's the playoffs. Exactly what is going to happen. I'm going to laugh so hard. Yep. I'm here for yeah, it. I, I'd pick OKC over many for sure. I mean, not not just because the Gobert trade was historically awful, but also because like whatever's going on with that team is not good. <laughs> you know, you've got your your quote unquote star center punching some other guy who's telling him he's not playing hard enough, and then you've got some you know Jaden McDaniels punching a wall on his way after getting his second foul and fracturing his hand and being done for the entire postseason. Like this just doesn't really seem like a team that's too dialed in at the moment. Yeah, people are going to be losing their jobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Quite deservingly so. Um, and that's the way it goes. You know, it's it's you take big swings. You know, we've 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 all seen it before. They're not the first. They're, they won't be the last. But it's also additionally comical that uh, just the success that Utah had. Like it it is. Yeah. If they had, could you imagine if they didn't have Rudy Gobert and instead they just had Walker Kessler, how much better that team right. would be because of the locker room bullshit. <laughs> like. Just that alone, and then plus retaining all of their future first. Yeah. Plus, what, like, Jared Vanderbilt Vanderbilt was in that trade too, right? I mean, he's not like a game changer, but he's a pretty, you know, multifaceted defensive option. Yeah, he's been helping the Lakers tremendously. But, yeah, I don't think the Nuggets are going to have any issue in their first round uh, series. I definitely... Don't see. I, I mean, I'm sure that OKC could win a game against them, but um, if Minnesota wins, I would be shocked if they won any games against Denver. I'm excited for OKC to be in the playoffs. I, I think, you know, it's great to, I know people hate tanking and it's definitely not the best thing, but at the end of the day, like when you're a team like OKC, you know, or Indiana, like nobody that is a millionaire and is like super famous really wants to live in the middle of nowhere. That's just not the most attractive thing. Um, so, you know, you ha- have to do what you have to do to get a bunch of young guys and like build a core. So I think it'd be great for them to be able to make it to the playoffs, even if they don't win a single game, just have that experience for that core going forward and when they get Chet back next year, I think it would be great for them. Yeah. I mean, like the the problem with tanking just seems to be the longevity of it, you know, like when the Sixers kind of sort of started this trend with the process, like I feel like it was like four years of just terrible basketball, like constantly. And, you know, with, with really no sign of, of turning a corner and then eventually Embiid came back and, you know, they made some trades. I'm, I'm, can't remember honestly what the initial iteration was. I feel like they had Butler and Bead and they had some point guard too, who is escaped me at the moment, but you know, they, they had like ostensibly, you know, a, a big three of sorts and, but it, it didn't come from the tanking necessarily. Like Embiid came from that. And then after that, it was just like, they made some savvy trades and, and put together like a couple good guys around him. So for OKC to see the success, like, yeah, you, you never want to like, you know, condone or encourage like multiple years of being awful. But at the same time, like now that it's happened, at least root for them to turn the corner because the alternative is just more years of that. Yeah. Um, the next matchup, though, I think should be an interesting one if Paul George can come back. Phoenix 
it's the Clippers. Um, but if Paul George isn't playing, I, I think that one's going to be over super fast. Phoenix has been crazy good since K- they got KD. Yeah, and and that one, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm underrating Paul George, but for me, like that's almost a null factor. Like, yeah, him coming back obviously makes Clippers better, but the Clippers just to me feel like a team that's, you know, just kind of like, what are we doing here? Like, they just kind of keep shuffling guys around. They've got Kawhi, they've got PG as their core, but they they seem to just be rotating through like, you know, the league's list of role players around them without really having any sort of keen sense for like this works or this doesn't work. So. I don't know. I, I'd take Phoenix in that one pretty handily, regardless of, of uh, Clippers' health. But you know, maybe maybe I'm underrating them. Clippers are deep. No. They're just old. Yeah. Clippers are deep though. They can they can yeah. ball still. Um, but I I'm also a Phoenix pick. I like Devin Booker. I'd like to see Chris Paul finally get a title. I don't really know why, but I get might 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 be just feeling bad for the guy. But I like him. I don't like KD all that much, but I like the, the rest of them. I wasn't super pleased when they acquired him, but but it's also issue I got Phoenix. So excited for it. Oh, yeah, dude, I totally exactly. forgot about that. Yeah. Yep, that's right. MSU baby, MSU legend. He made a big swing. Made a big swing. Good for him. Yeah, dude, let's go. Go get a title. Six months uh, into owning your your team. Yeah, it'd be super badass. But once again, just another team with injury concerns. I mean, I could easily see Chris Paul, Devin Booker, or KD going down, and then boom, they're totally done. Or all three of them. Yeah. Very possible. Um, Sacramento, Golden State. This one I'm so excited for. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Just the fact that they get to have a playoff series and they're right across from each other. I did feel bad because I saw online going around where the tickets for the home games at the Kings Arena were actually more expensive than the games that were for the Warriors home. That's so insane. Yeah. Not really going to help them pack the, pack the Bean Marina. Man. Interesting. But it's going to be a really exciting matchup, especially since I'm still going to root for Sabonis since he played for the Pacers. Um, and I actually think the Kings are going to pull it off. I know like a lot of people are saying the Warriors, but much like how you guys were talking about, you know, there comes a certain point where you're getting old. Um, I think that's where the Warriors are at. You know, I think they're old and it's time for them to lose. Um, you know, they are getting Wiggins back, but he hasn't played in months. So how is that really going to be that much of a contributing factor? Um, the one thing I will say though, in you know, defense of the Warriors and why they'll still give them a shooter's chance is that apparently Steph, Clay, and Dre, when all three of them play together, they haven't lost a playoff series since 2015. Wow. So, once again, you know. That's pretty impressive, but kind of like the same thing with like Paul George is like, oh, is that resting more on their laurels than the actual production that they're going to provide come playoffs? What are your yeah? With the Warriors, no. Oh, sorry. Go on. No, go ahead, Danny. I was going to say with the Warriors, like for a long time, they. I mean, maybe not recently, I suppose, but you know, like they they had someone who was reliably healthy it it was never Steph but for a while it was Clay 
after that, you know, like Draymond still stuck around for the playoffs each year. But like at this point, I just don't have a whole lot of faith. I mean, that's an incredible stat. They haven't lost since 2015 with those three guys healthy. But now more than ever, I feel it's pretty valid to point out like how likely is it they're all going to be healthy. That's exactly what I drew from that statistic as well, Danny, was that cool. That means that over the past eight years, they've won how many championships? And they weren't healthy for the rest. And obviously didn't win championships. But you'd still take that run 10 days out of 10. I mean, obviously, we know health is an issue for Golden State. But um, I'm with Sam. I'm taking Sacramento in seven. My personal opinion of the situation is that each team is going to win all of their home games. And because Sacramento has the home court advantage, I think that's ultimately what's going to be the deciding factor. I definitely won't be surprised if the Warriors win. The Warriors could sweep, and I really wouldn't be that surprised just because we know that they can turn it up a notch when the playoffs come around, Um, and they've done it before. I mean, they did it last year. I had no faith in them winning last year at all, and everything just really fell in line for them to make that title run, and it could very easily happen this year as well. Me personally, though, I just feel that the – Kings are going to play really well at home and light the beam, baby. Yeah, exactly. I will say, though, that once again, I'm really excited for the Kings just because De'Aaron Fox, Sabonis, and, you know, they had, what was it, the longest drought of any professional team of not making them playoffs 16 years. something like that. Um, going on to the next one, uh, another one that I think is going to be a really great series is Memphis against the Lakers. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that one? I take Memphis in that 10 times out of 10. I, honestly, though, like I'm surprised the Lakers are even where they're at. I thought that they'd, you know, bungle the play in and just kind of fizzle out. I actually didn't even think they'd make the play in for a long while, but now that they're there, I've been rooting or expecting them to lose. and. They have been surprising me, so maybe I'm a, you know, a poor judge of character when that where that team's regarded. Yeah, I just don't really want to see him win. Let's go Memphis. Let's give him a shot. Morant's got a bad rap. Come on, guys. Everybody wants to see some titties every now and then. <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> Live. How old is he? He's like 21, uh, right? Yeah. No, is he 21, 22? Yeah, something like that. Early Was 20s. he the same draft as Luca on, and man. Trey? I'll tell you right now. Something like that. 23. You get what uh, I'm saying. Like, come ja on, the gun, obviously, you're that. stupid. What? Yeah, he is 23. But still, I mean, he's still a, a young kid at yeah, that point. Yeah, definitely. Guy, That's dude. a millionaire. Yeah, come on, man. The gun's stupid. Come on, you gotta be you gotta be smarter than that. But you know the rest of it. Come on, whatever. Uh, so and you know you got Jaron Jackson. Is he healthy right now? Yeah, uh, he is. I was actually just checking on that. Jaron Jackson, Xavier Tillman. Like, come on. How how can we be Spartans and not not support our boys in Memphis? Oh, I definitely want Memphis to win, but I'm just not going to lie to you, dude. If LeBron is healthy and AD is healthy, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to pick against them. I personally think Memphis will win the series, but 
it's not going to be easy no matter what. The Lakers are going to give them everything they can handle. And I think it's going to be a long series for both teams. Well, I do yeah. not mind the lone detractor because I do think the Lakers will win. I want the Lakers <laughs> to win. I mean, LeBron set the scoring record. I think it would be super dope if somehow he pulled the Lakers and they all made it to deep in the playoffs, maybe even the finals. That would be amazing. Um, another team where I think, you know, health is such a big issue with Anthony Davis because if Anthony Davis doesn't play at that high of a level um, – everything else is not going to work with it. But with that being said, I mean, once again, I'm a really big proponent of the defense is what's going to win in the playoffs and win you a championship. And they've had the fifth best defense since the all-star break when they did all their trades. So uh, if they can stay healthy, I think they're going to make a potential crazy run at it. To tack on to that, Sam, they also have the second best defense on the entire season by defensive rating, at least. Lakers? No, sorry, the Grizzlies. Oh, uh, okay. I was like, oh my bad. Yeah, Danny, Danny, that was a funny way to deliver that. Yep, my bad. I thought we were talking about. Oh. You mentioned defense, and every time I think of playoff defense, I think Memphis. You know, just because of like the Zach Randolph, Marcus All days. Oh uh, yeah, just the fact that Sam was over here, like, yeah, I'm picking the Lakers because of their defense, and then Danny's all like, yeah, the number two defense in the league for the season. Oh my bad! I'm talking about Memphis. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore that stat and pretend that just didn't happen. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I can't deny. Obviously, Memphis has a great defense. Jaron Jackson Jr. is probably up there for most people's top three for Defensive Player of the Year. Um, but I mean, he has such a big problem with staying on the court, fouling. Like, yeah, he's great at blocking shots, but for a playoff series, you know, once again. I'm going to lean on the experience of the older guys. And if they can stay healthy, I think that's going to really help them win the series. And look, no Brandon Clark, no Steven Adams. Uh, Memphis is going to be in trouble down low. If Anthony Davis, like you're saying, man, he's going to be firing on all cylinders. Memphis is going to be in trouble because Jaron Jackson has not shown the ability to stay on the court and guard somebody for 35 to 40 minutes without fouling out. Yeah. I mean, right. Let let let's see them stay healthy. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Which is why it's so intriguing. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the playoffs this year. I have yeah. not looked forward to a playoffs like this in what feels like a significant amount of time. Yeah, so many amazing matchups, and I mean, especially in the second round with Denver going against Phoenix. I, I mean, I feel so bad for Jokic because I really want him to win, but. You know, kind of like Danny was talking about, when's really the last time that the team has won centered around a center? And I just don't see with a healthy Phoenix them losing to Denver. I don't think you no. can pull that off. No, I don't. I, I agree with you. I mean, Jamal Denver to me feels like the opposite of those Zach Randolph, Marcus All, you know, teams where it's like, like those teams would never have like mind blowing regular seasons, but they'd get to the playoffs and they'd grind it out because that was just who they were. Like they just had that defensive mentality that like didn't count for a whole lot in the regular season, but when it came to the playoffs, it counted for everything. And with Denver, like, you know, it's kind of the inverse of that. Like they've got crazy offense with really underwhelming defense and that's carried them through the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, like, I got to think that's going to really come back to bite them, not having, you know, any real lockdown defenders on there. Yeah, and 
I don't even know like where they go in the off season, what you can do. Cause you know, who's really going to want to have MPJ when he's been injured so often and Jamal Murray, I mean, just like we were talking about is another one of those small guards. That's great on offense, but can't play defense. And it feels like literally every team has one of those. So who's going to trade for him? Yeah. And I mean, for what it's worth, you know, I personally think Phoenix is going to make it to the finals this year out of the West. So even though I would believe that Phoenix should end up beating Denver just because I think they're more talented, you know, Phoenix is going to be a really good team once they get settled in. When they are healthy already, they've shown us some, you know, pretty incredible statistics so far. So I really wouldn't be too surprised if, uh, you know, there's not, okay, there is shame in losing, but at the same time, if you're losing to a team that you know is better than you, at some point you got to recognize there's only so much you can do. And as good as Jokic is, he isn't going to be able to outshine Kevin Durant, at least not in my opinion. Yep. That's yeah. just the truth. Uh, on the bottom side of the bracket, once again, and it would be so much more exciting if you guys were on board with me, because my second-round matchup, Lakers against the Canes, is another amazing storybook part. Uh, revenge of what was that? The What year is that? 2003 with all the calls, or is that 2001? 2003 Western Finals, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for them to meet in the semifinals, I think that would be super poetic justice. Um, but I would have the Lakers winning. Um, who do you guys think is going to make it out between the Canes and the Grizzlies if it's them? Man, that one's tough. It but is. like mainly just because I want the Kings to win. Like I feel like the Grizzlies are more talented in that situation. Like I take Ja over De'Aaron Fox. I will probably take Sabanis over, uh, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron Jackson Jr. But past that, I just feel like the the Grizzlies have, you know, the additional talent there. But man, I don't know. I I, I just I like the Kings and I want them to be successful. So in my head, I'm trying to like track down ways to make an argument for them. But I, I in my gut, I'm leaning towards Memphis of those two. I am as well. I got to take Memphis, and I want to see him. I want to see Xavier Tillman get some playoff minutes and, and, and go on a run and contribute some big baskets, man. Let's go green. Yeah, and I just feel like Triple J is going to give Sabonis a lot of problems, too, in that matchup. It's a win-win, though, at the end of the day, isn't it, Danny? Like, I'm yeah. also I'm, – I'm rooting for the Kings. So, you know, it's – sure. I, I think the Grizzlies will win the series – would I be mad? No, but you know, it's win-win. I also, and this is like kind of counterintuitive, but I, I might give the Grizzlies like the coaching nod as well. I mean, that's bizarre in my mind. Cause you know, Mike Brown just got coach of the year, but I feel like Mike Brown's a culture coach, you know, like he turned the team around cause he finally got all of the guys on Sacramento's roster to buy into the system, which is something they haven't had in forever. But I don't know if he's like much of an X's and O's guy, Whereas like Memphis routinely loses jaw for injury or for strip club gun antics or whatever it might be, but they never really seem to miss a beat whenever jaw goes down. And that I got to assume just has to do with like, you know, being ready and having alternative game plans. And I don't know that the Kings, like if they, if they, if their formula falls apart, I don't know that they've got something else to pivot to, you know, whereas Memphis has shown time and time again, they do. 
Yeah, and as fair point. You know, defense is going to win championships, yeah. and certainly Memphis's defense is going to easily take that matchup. Um, but as Jake mentioned earlier, I do kind of feel like you know I had Phoenix making it out of the West. I don't know what if you guys thought differently, um, but my personal opinion, as long as Phoenix stays healthy, it's their you know path to the finals to lose. Like I really don't see any way that they lose unless they start to get injuries. Uh, quick analytics uh, insert here. Um, one of the things that I was reading about, just because I wanted to have some some statistical stuff to talk about relating to playoffs, but uh, one of the best predictors of playoff success apparently is uh, offensive rating. Um, Kings are number one in the league in offensive rating this season. Whoa. But, really? You know, yeah, yeah. 119.4 points per 100 possessions. That's pretty crazy. Um, but at the same time, you know, I don't think anyone would deny that defense, you know, really gets a value boost when it comes to playoffs. Kings are 25th in defensive rating. Ooh, yikes. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I mean, if I'm, if I'm using that to make the determination, I'd say all possibilities are on the table, but it's just going to be real entertaining to see which way it swings. Like, is their offense going to be what carries them or is their defense going to be what exposes them? Because those two are very far apart. And that's why I like their first round matchup against the Warriors because the Warriors can't play defense either. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of shooting basketball. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, what are your guys' are thoughts on the finals, then? I, I mean, by, if, if once again, you know, perfect scenario, everybody's healthy, I think that the Bucks would end up taking it over the Suns just because I think at some point the extra cohesion that they would have, and I feel like they match up really well against each other. Um, but I, one, I like Giannis more in that matchup. Um, just because of his strength and power. And I feel like the experience they have together as a team, you know, whereas Phoenix was just thrown together with Kevin Durant is what would help them in that matchup. Um, what are your thoughts on the finals? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. If it's Bucks out of the East versus Phoenix, I'd give the nod to the Bucks. Um, you know, for reasons you mentioned, like they've just, they've got the chemistry, they've got the, you know, much more clear cut identity. Um, but even past that, you know, we were talking about old guys falling off and like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for Chris Milton, for Drew Holiday, for Brooke Lopez to fall off. But Chris Paul has fallen off. You know, he's he's scoring the least points per game since I think his rookie season. Um, his win shares are down, like basically everything he's doing is down and he's still an impactful player, but it's clear that he's he's running out of ways to be impactful. So at that point, you're mainly relying on Booker and, and KD. And I don't want to understate KD's impact. But- I just feel like when you're when you're betting on Booker and KD versus Giannis, Drew, uh, Holiday, and or sorry, Giannis, Holiday, Middleton, and then you know defensive anchor Brooke Lopez, I'd give them the edge in that in that equation. I do too, but it's still Phoenix, man. They got DeAndre Ayton down low. Yeah, it's they still match up nicely. KD, Giannis, that's going to be a good matchup. If it comes down to it, I'm going to watch that series. I'll tell you that. It'll be entertaining. I'd like to see Phoenix take it. Um, We'll see what happens. I guess one thing to be on the watch out for is, what is that first round matchup for Phoenix against its Clippers, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, maybe see how Aiton does against Plumlee and, and Zubak because those aren't all stars, but they can make stuff happen on offense. So if, if Aiton's struggling to, you know, kind of contain them, then we know that he's mainly going to be an offensive force. And if he's going to be an offensive force going up against Brooke Lopez, like I give Brooke Lopez the nod in that. And I'm yeah, so because I really think almost any team that makes it to the second round has potential to make it to the finals. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that we've got two Spartan teams to cheer for out of the West. I think that's cool as hell. Yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, any last thoughts on the playoffs before you guys want to go on to top five? Only thing I want to call out is I'm real interested to see how Memphis does because I like them as as someone that's going to make a big swing over the summer and try and get someone like OG Ananobi or something like that to really, you know, basically make a Donovan Mitchell type move. Um, and if it looks like they're getting pounded on the wings, then that that's the route that I feel like they go, whether it's Ananobi or Bridges or someone like that. You know, I expect them to be pretty active and trying to, like, really round out their their identity. games and then he'll be good to go for next year yeah um but yeah for top five this week we wanted to do top five nba playoff memories uh o-town do you want to kick things off with your number five my number five oh man i didn't come prepared gentlemen can danny go first danny did you come prepared you guys aren't gonna believe this i did not in fact come prepared all right you you gentlemen go first it's gonna spark some memories because i i mean i have a couple that come to mind but they are like the first one that came to mind is my number one and i don't think we should start with number one so give me a second to think of at least a number three or four yeah i have a hunch you and i might have the same number one (laughs) okay um i just have it fit but i mean in terms of Playoff memories I can't stand and don't enjoy thinking about, but really sits in the pit of my stomach still. Uh, the Kayshawn Prince block on Reggie Miller in the 2004 Eastern Conference Finals. I was convinced the Pacers were going to go to the finals that year. And yeah, um, God, I just hate talking about it, man. I fucking got all my. Should have been a goaltend. Um... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> And you guys won't believe this, but my number five was also the Tayshawn block on Reggie in game two of the 2004 Eastern Conference Finals. Unreal. Uh, it was awful because, you know, obviously we grew up in Michigan, so being Pacers fans uh, when the Pistons were doing well was not a great experience. And the next day on the bus was just awful. I'll never forget it. And, yeah, the image is literally seared into my mind of seeing Tayshawn block Reggie. I'll never forget it. It was an incredible athletic play. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Like, mad props, that team was like, you know, if you really want to speak about team and defense, you know, a lot of times I think of that 2004 Pistons team that ended up winning the finals. But, man, I hated them so much. Okay, hear me out. What do you guys think about this? Do you think that the 04 Pistons, just for one, one game, do you think that they could guard any team in the last 10 10- Yes. Do they get to have hand checking? Because I feel like that's a pretty meaningful rule change. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's my thing is I just, the only pause I have is just the game has changed so much between 2004, them winning, and then Kevin Durant winning with the Warriors. Uh, it, it truly feels like two different games of basketball. Because if we're going to talk those playoffs, I mean, once again, I think that game may have ended like with 80 points each. Like, there's definitely games where both teams only scored we're in the 60 70s in the 70s. 60s. Yeah. yeah. Which would never happens nowadays. So I, that's the only reason I give pause is that the older players wouldn't have any frame of reference of how the basketball is played nowadays. And so then how would that really compute um, going right. across time? I hear you there, but I got a, I got a, I got a perspective to throw at you. All right. All right. So hear me out. These guys, regardless of the era, were the best athletes and most dominant in their in their respective sport, correct? Correct. Is it fair to say that if given the same technology and rule changes, like if they were able to like if you dropped them in this era, is it not fair to say that like they might actually develop into that level of athlete for that time. Does that make sense to you? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it kind of has to flesh out the hypothetical more. Because am I? Are we talking like picking up literally the 2004 Pistons and having them play against the Warriors? Are we giving them a chance to like, you know, learn and ingratiate themselves into how basketball and training is nowadays? And then it would be exactly. so, I would agree 100%. Cause, like, could you imagine Ben Wallace as a small ball center nowadays? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, he probably wouldn't be amazing on offense, but I'm sure he could at least hit a mid range and his defense would still be out of Even control. Even if he could only dunk, dude, it's still worth it having him out on the floor. I mean, you think Raymond is good on defense? One of the things that, I mean, Ben Wallace might not have quite the same versatility, but he was guarding Shaquille O'Neal. And he was what six foot eight, six foot nine. So I'd be pretty confident in him being able to guard one, well, three through five for sure anywhere in the NBA today. Um, but really, what I had imagined in my head was just if you took Detroit's style of basketball and it was all focused on protecting their side of the basket and just mucking up on the offensive side for the most part. I feel like in one game that would give them a shot against pretty much anybody, you know? And that's really what where my head was at because they were super versatile on defense with the lineups that they could throw out there. You know, that was part of the reason why they were so good. Yeah, Was that Wallace trade made midseason or before the season? I think it was uh, at the, towards the beginning of the season because I want to say he was, like, traded to Atlanta or something. Um, I'll have to Google it, but – it just kind of reminds me of KD going to the Suns. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that coincides with my number four, which was just the entire 2004 playoffs and then the finals because I was devastated as a kid after Indy lost, and then my backup team, the Lakers, lost to the Pistons too. And so then I had to watch everybody around me celebrate the Pistons. Great moment for you guys. So I'm sure that's probably, like, much higher up on your list, but it was uh, a dark number four and five for me. Yeah. I get that. All right, I got my top five. All right, hit us with your number five. 
So my fifth moment was actually from those 2004 playoffs. I can't remember if it was game two or game three, but it was Kobe hitting just that last second three to take it to overtime that got like their win in the finals. Like that was just something that, you know, I I had just been introduced to basketball. I knew Kobe was a good player, but like I didn't have a sense of like the gravity of what a good player really amounts to in the NBA. And like watching that happen, watching him take it to overtime and then watching him get that win was insane. But it also like made the eventual series victory feel that much bigger because it's like, wow, we might have swept this team if not for, you know, how incredibly good these players are that they can just, you know, hit shots like that. So that was my fifth one. My fourth favorite playoff memory (laughs) is a comedy moment. Uh, I think it was when LeBron was with the Cavs and they were playing Golden State in the finals. And I think it was game one in in Golden State. But when J.R. Smith got that like rebound with 12 seconds left and didn't recognize that they were down. And so he (laughs) pulled the ball back out instead of shooting it. Yeah. And LeBron's face when that happened was just, you know, catharsis to my soul. That's my number five for sure. I totally forgot about that, but that's absolutely. Yeah. Uh, my third favorite moment actually happened somewhat recently, uh, i.e. the last 24 hours. It is DeMar DeRozan's daughter screaming her head off when uh, the Raptors were taking free throws. Did you guys see those videos online? Yeah, it was amazing. And it was so perfect because during COVID, Jake and I went to a few of the Mavs games. And uh, one of the games, Jake just yelled during every free throw, and they only made one or two of them or something. It was really impressive. It was really fun. I could tell (laughs) they were getting upset. But I just waited until they were starting the motion of bringing the ball up, and that's when I would yell really loud. Because at that point, I felt like they wouldn't be able to react fast enough to adjust for the extra noise. So Yeah, you want to screw them up early in their process. I'm with you. Well, and did you see, I also love uh, Scotty Barnes just being like completely honest. He's yeah. like, well, I mean, you guys saw the stats. So yeah, it probably did affect us. <laughs> <laughs> they shot 50%. They missed half their free throws because of this little girl. Like, that's insane. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, Sam, do you know what that reminds me of? What? Greg's bachelor party in Nashville. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We went. Oh, Oh, it was wild. I mean, we were wild. We, I mean, we, we literally, we brought it home for the, for the mud hens, man. It was unreal. We were rattling the pitcher, the, the the Nashville sound pitcher. We were in their head in the eighth and ninth inning, and uh, the Mud Hens were able to come from behind and pull off the W. Um, not unlike the the little girl helping out. She's 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 part of the team. That's what the uh, sixth man. Yeah, <laughs> love that. So that's my third favorite playoff memory. From well, I guess it's from the play in, but either way, uh, second favorite was the Kawhi shot from god what is that 2018 or 19 or something like that but you know raptors versus uh uh versus sixers and what i think it was game seven too right but you know comes down to the final seconds Kawhi takes that you know sort of fading baseline shot and it just jumps around the rim for like a full five seconds before dropping yeah and what a um 
kind of like butterfly effect moment too, because like if he doesn't make that, they lose that series. To like, Philly. Yeah. Like what does Philly end up doing? You know, Toronto's fate is different. Kawhi's fate is different. Maybe KD doesn't get hurt. You yeah. never know. But yeah, that was an amazing shot. And I yeah. mean, that's the exact, when people say that the Clippers have a chance if Paul George is healthy, that's one of the plays you're going to point to. Kawhi at his highest has shown he can be better than LeBron. He can be better than KD. Granted, he didn't really play against KD in the finals that year, but it is worth saying that he has propelled the team pretty much on his own. One time. Yeah, one time. One time is enough to prove that you can do it. You know, that's part of the reason why people rag on Charles Barkley so much is because he never did it. That's true. That's true. That's part of the reason why I was saying earlier, you know, that's why I would give the edge to Milwaukee just because I know they've done it. I trust Giannis. I mean, Golden State, obviously, they they are who they are. But, yeah, I feel like once you've done it once, you know, it's easy to see it being possible. Well, sometimes, I guess. But Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I, I think it's it's just requisite experience, you know? Like, you got to get almost there so that you can understand, like, what you were missing to get all the way. 100%. Uh, yeah. Let's save your last, uh, your number one, uh, once we get down to everybody else's number one. Um, yeah. O-Town, did you end up thinking of five, or do you want to tag in at, like, three or four? One sec. Sorry, guys. No, it's all no, good. You're good, dude. Jake can go with his number four. Jake, what was your fourth one? Um, my number four was the Lakers three peat, two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two. I that is when I really fell in love with Shaquille O'Neal and Kobe. I mean, them beating the Pacers the first year, obviously pretty bitter, but I love watching Shaq and Kobe play basketball together. It was wonderful. And Shaq at his peak was just he was just such a freak of nature force. And I would love to see somebody come along and do something similar to him. You know, Giannis does it in a way, but Giannis didn't weigh 300 something pounds and move quite like Shaq was moving um, in a couple of those seasons. But yeah, that was my number four was just uh, their era of dominance there. Those, those three years and almost four, I mean, they lost to the Pistons in 04. So truly a, a very legendary dynasty in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of sad memories for Pacers fans in the playoffs. And, I mean, much to your point, Giannis is probably one I would say is closest. Um, I will, like, on a similar but somewhat different wavelength, you know, Wemby I think is just going to be someone to watch that is like, oh, my God, he's completely transforming the way basketball is being played. That would be really cool to see. I hope so. That's fun to watch. I mean, hopefully he's basically – yeah. But, I mean, just the biggest thing with all those really tall, lanky guys, just like Chet Holgram sitting out his entire first year pretty much, yeah. they just got to stay healthy. Yep. And you hope you you hope they do, you know? So sad to see guys like Greg Oden and, and Brandon Roy and however many other potential legendary athletes just go down with injury like that. Yeah, Derek Rose. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Oh, yeah, man. list goes on. Um, I don't have a very good list. Sorry, I was doing a couple other things, gentlemen. Duty calls, as you know. Um, but one of mine, um, well, first of all, all of my playoff memories are just tied to being in high school 
in 04 and getting to watch all of those games with your friends, like that entire experience is one through five. So let me just say that. So it's very difficult to pick which Pistons game, playoff game, is, is, is any more exciting than, than any other. Um, Tayshon's block, I think, comes in there. The one, one shot that I will never forget watching, we were in Osher's basement watching, and I don't remember what game it was, but it was Pistons-Nets, New Jersey. And uh, when Chauncey Billups hit that uh, buzzer beater, half-court three, um, she was just legendary. And it was so cool just being with your friends and going so freaking rowdy. Um, so that's, I think, my number two. And I, I can't think of a good number one well, because – Save your number one. Save your number one. Yeah, so save – because I know Sam and I still have a couple more before we get to the last one. For I got too excited. Uh, Jake no, and I cannot good. share in any of those happy memories of the or four <laughs> championship run. That was not watch with excitement with friends. It was watch with disappointment and sadness at the Marsh household. Yeah, most definitely. <laughs> um, my number three one is uh, the 2007 Eastern Conference Finals Game 5 when Ooh. LeBron scored 25 straight. And uh, what was it, like 29 of the last 30? Just absolute beast mode. Um I mean, that's when I, like, fell in love with LeBron. Just, like, watching – it's the same way I remember of, like, watching Giannis dominate and, like, Shaq dominate. It's just always amazing for me to see amongst all these guys who are at the peak of their athletic abilities, the best in the world at basketball, and then someone comes along and is just, like, head and shoulders above the rest of everybody else playing. And just seeing that dominance is always, like, really exciting to me. But unfortunately, yeah, I, it was against the Pistons, so it was probably not a great memory for you guys. I mean, I think – But it's given me some insight on your guys' side of things because I do think about how angry I was at that time. And I'm like, all right, I can appreciate the hating the block. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the thing about that year, too, that was just so crazy was that was the last year the Pistons of that – you know, quote unquote, second bad boys run for the Pistons. I think it was four or five straight Eastern Conference finals that they made. And just to see LeBron kind of put his stamp saying, okay, yeah, I can pretty much do whatever I want. I can take this kind of a team to the finals, you know, not a welcome to the NBA moment by any means, but certainly letting people know he was going to live up to, uh, if not completely exceed everyone's winning expectations for him. Because I'm sure nobody would have picked the Cavs to beat the Spurs that year in the finals. I mean, it was a, a deep, like it was an all time defensive oriented team that had absolutely no defensive answer for one player, you know, and that's coming, you know, just a, a couple of years after having defensive answers for literally Shaq and Kobe, you know, and Carl Malone, like I, I had a, and Carl yeah, freaking well, and Carl Malone, Malone and, and Gary freaking Payton, uh, man. That's the other Duncan. one, yeah. Gary he came too. First to seven, they they game planned against Tim Duncan. I mean, you're talking about all, you know, yes. theoretically <laughs> what all top fifteen, top ten for some people maybe of all yeah. time. But I hadn't really put it in those terms, you know. Like that was a a really incredible entrance to the NBA for LeBron, you know, to like 
make that his statement playoff run. Well, not the statement playoff run, but, you know, to sort of like introduce himself to the league in that way. Like, that's pretty, pretty incredible. Yeah, it was exciting basketball. Um, the next one is finally for me, my number two, a happy memory for the Pacers. Uh, it was the 2016 playoffs. And in the second round, we were going up against the Knicks when Carmelo was still there. And Roy Hibbert had this nasty block on Carmelo, um, that helped save the series and propelled them to the Eastern conference finals against the heat, which, I mean, they ultimately lost, which I always figured would happen, but, it definitely was another year where I thought, okay, maybe there's a chance the Pacers do something. But I loved Roy Hibbert. I was super sad when he kind of got aged out like a dinosaur. But, I mean, that's what happens, you know. Kudos to Brooke Lopez for being able to reinvent himself. I, I guess, you know, Roy Hibbert missed out on being able to do whatever Brooke was able to figure out. Hitting three-pointers yeah, and staying in the game. Not getting in foul trouble and being defensively relevant while being able to hit the three-pointer. That's what Roy Hibbert could Yeah. Well, and Brooke Lopez moves a lot better yeah, laterally. Roy Hibbert always a huge aspect. Yeah. Roy Hibbert moved a lot like Greg Oden, where it was just like, oh, my God, just a trotting tree down the lane. What was your second one, Jake? Um, well, I still have three and two, but number three I had was the 2011 Mavs finals run. Um, it was an all-time shooting run for any team. I really enjoyed seeing Dirk Nowitzki win his, and I'm not going to lie, at the time I despised LeBron, so I was very happy to see the Heat lose that year. Um, the one fun fact about that year, so Phil Jackson has only ever been swept one time in his entire coaching career. It was that year when the defending champion Lakers got swept by the Mavs. Wow. Did not mm -hmm. know that. Yeah. I was not a fan of that playoff run. I wanted the LeBron win. Yeah. <laughs> um, number two for me, I mean, we've talked about it quite a bit already, but I just wanted to add my own little uh, flavor to it. But the 04 finals, Detroit versus LA, even though I would have been fine with the Lakers winning, it was really cool to see the Pistons win because – LA was all bullshit and drama and it was not team basketball. You could just tell the vibe was just weird with them going into the playoffs. But the thing is when you have that many great players on your team, it doesn't really matter until you face somebody that actually knows what they're doing. And so to see the Pistons succeed with their team concept and to see Shaq basically, you know, not taken out of the game, but slowed down enough to where they couldn't win um, I just thought it was incredible, man, frankly. There's actually a really cool article on that. I, I think they interviewed, I don't think it was Larry Brown, maybe it was Ben Wallace, but they interviewed somebody who was on that Pistons team and they talked about their game plan for that. And their game plan was literally just to double shack, to just give Kobe every shot he wanted because they knew that like eventually if Kobe was taking every shot, that would cause a riff and Shaq would start, you know, getting upset or they'd start forcing it to him. But like, it was it was interesting to read that like, their philosophy was like, we can't stop both of them. So let one of them have all the shots and hope they get pissed at each other. Yeah. What'd you guys say for your number one? Uh, mine is unsurprisingly the Tayshaun block. That just, oh, I mean, man. that was, I mean, of course. That was a good block. 
that was my like introduction to like, oh shit, I care about this a lot. <laughs> you know, like it was, I, I like paid attention to the Pistons loosely. And then, you know, I had a bunch of friends that were like, wow, Pistons are doing pretty well in the playoffs. So I tuned in, like, honestly, I might've tuned in like at the start of that series and seeing that block was like the first time that like sports have gotten me like real, you know, my heart rate pumping, like very emotional, really invested in the outcome of the game. That's so cool. Yeah. It's a great memory. Sorry, yeah. boys. Yeah. Hey, you know, there's always the other side to a coin. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, mine is, was, was a game. Um, I had the, the, the pleasure of sitting fourth row for game one of Pistons heat in, I think it was, it was Oh five Oh six, something like that. Um, we won the game. I think we ended up losing the series, but uh, Rashid had a hell of a game and sitting fourth row for that experience. We were right behind Dwayne Wade's daughter and his sister. Um, it was unreal. So that experience was absolutely number one playoff experience. Yeah. Being able to watch Shaq play. I, yeah. I can't even imagine. That must have been amazing. Shaq, Shaq D Wade. Daddy's hitting three pointers and little girl behind us is like, yeah, daddy. I'm like, oh shit. That's D Wade's kid. (laughs) My uh, number one is one that I'll never forget watching uh, when it happened, but it was uh, LeBron's block and the game seven of the 2016 finals. That was just once again, just, you know, I'm always a fan of crazy displays of athleticism and, I mean, it was just insane, like complete dominance, um, and they were able to pull it off. So yeah, I'll never forget that one. What do you have as your number one, Jake? Uh, well, I was just going to say about that block. I mean, really, one of the the cool things about it, it you we all have admired and talked about how great the Tayshon block was. The LeBron block was even more insane somehow because of how far he had to chase. Uh, was it Iguodala, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that it was in the NBA Finals, man, I mean, dude, the stakes can quite literally not be higher unless you want to consider the Olympic gold match, you know, around the same thing. But that's probably just personal preference. Um, But my number one was uh, 2000 NBA Finals. Sam and I were at the Michigan State football camp and we were dorming overnight and we were the only people rooting for the Pacers. Everyone else in there was rooting for the Lakers. The entire like row of dormitories, we were just getting ragged on the whole time. But it was really fun because, you know, I thought the Pacers had a chance to win. And in my opinion, that's really the best team they've probably had since I've been paying attention to basketball, so. Um, I think the Malice at the Palace year, if that didn't happen, that was also a potential for a championship run. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, watching that documentary and Ron Artest being like, yeah, I just decided I was done after that. It was such a bizarre, like, like I hadn't, I hadn't considered that it had that impact, but like, which is, I don't know, I guess just what a weird guy. Yeah, he decided to just finally say, fuck it. Yeah. Um, did you guys bring a quote for quote zone per chance? Yeah, I got one. Ooh, quote, quote zone. zone. 
right. Danny, would you like to lead us off with your quote? Yeah, I can. It's uh, I, I'll, I'll admit I'm a lot more in love with the one I shared last time than this, but I thought this was a cool quote that gave me a unique perspective. I saw this when I was like reading, uh, I don't know, something political, political and stupid, but the quote was basically like, don't wrestle with pigs. You'll just get covered in shit and the pig loves it. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh, that is an amazing quote. That is so perfect. Yeah. So just uh, a lesson for people to not bother trying to engage with those who are already, you know, beneath you, because all it ends up doing is bringing you down to their level and there's no wins to be had there. Yeah. And just focusing on, on what matters. I mean, if somebody's just trying to start to start shit with you in this example, then, you know, there's really no place you can go but down anytime you engage. That's just a, right. that's just the way life is. But yeah. Um, I had for mine this week, Sam, and it's not the exact quote. I'm just kind of paraphrasing it. Um, it's, I neither know nor think I know. So, Danny, this is up your alley. It's attributed to the philosopher Socrates. And really one of the things that I enjoy about it is that you need to go into a situation assuming you don't know anything. And that is how you're going to figure out what is actually going on instead of going into any type of situation with an assumption and just rolling with it. You really need to just start from the basics when you're trying to learn whatever it is, you know, I love that. Do we have time for me to give a two minute uh, yes. add on to that? I specifically f wanted to put it on, Danny, because I know how much this is up your alley. So please opine freely. The floor is yours. Man, I do love Socrates. He was the, just the ugliest motherfucker in the world. And he was so weird. He was, he was short. He was ugly. And somehow, like, everyone just thought he was the coolest guy. Um, so there's a, a story. You can Google it for a more in-depth version of this. But it's called Socrates and the Oracle of Delphi. Um, this ancient oracle in Greece was asked who the, who the wisest man in the world was. And the oracle replied, Socrates. Eventually, the story made it back to Socrates. And he's like, well, that can't be true because I've always maintained that, like, I'm not possessed of knowledge. Uh, and so he went on this, theoretically, he went on this mission to, like, find the, the you know, most wise person in the world. And he asked all these people you know, like, who do you think is the wisest person? And they gave these answers. They'd be like, well, it's the merchant because he makes all this money. Well, it's the teacher because, you know, they educate people. Well, it's the politician because they have all the power and stuff like that. Um, and throughout this process, there, there's a much more eloquent way of telling this, by the way. But eventually, you know, he would interrogate these people about this and say, like, well, why does that make him wise? And ultimately, like, nobody was ever really able to defend their choice of who they believed was a wise person. So the conclusion to all of this was Socrates deciding that, like, I must be the wisest person in the world because I guess I'm the only one who doesn't think they know shit. <laughs> that's incredibly that's incredibly wise. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, that like, you know, repeats itself throughout the history of philosophers like I I. Maybe maybe this is still Socrates, but who said, like, the only thing I know is that I know nothing yeah. and a variety of people after like Descartes spent two months locked inside a cabin in Germany during a blizzard, like trying to figure out if there was anything that he knew for certain, like the whole field of existentialism and epistemology and philosophy is really interesting to read about. 
Yeah. Otan, uh, what did uh, you bring for your quote? All right, I got one for you, gentlemen. This one's going to be not quite Socrates, but if you only do what you can, you'll never be more than you are. Ooh, that, I love is that. Master, that is Master Ugwe from Kung Fu Panda 3. Yes. Wow. Great film. Wow. Incredible Master Ugwe. There are zero misses in the Kung Fu Panda franchise. Hundred percent. I love Jack Black, man. I'm not gonna. Jack, that's it. It's Jack Black again. Didn't we talk about Jack Black last time? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. (laughs) I recommended you guys participate in Jack Black Fridays. Destiny on a regular basis and not be upset about it whatsoever. Uh, Into it. So funny. But yeah, dude, that's a good one, and it's one that I've actually referenced a couple of times recently at work. Um, and won a couple of arguments, not like won a couple of arguments, but, uh, was able to get people to open up their mind a little bit. Shifted some perspectives. Shifted some perspectives. Thank you, Daniel. That is exactly it. Love it. Power cartoons. Let's go. Uh, mine is, uh, very related to the basketball conversation, but... Uh, mine is it's the playoffs. There's no room for okay, and that was David Robinson. And uh, you know, I just picked that one because we are obviously going to be doing the playoff preview. And uh, you know, it is exactly. I mean, it's perfect. It's the playoffs. There is no room for like I tried or like okay. Like every game has to be your best if you really want to give it a shot to win it all. Yeah, you got to bring the hammer down, baby. Don't play it safe. I love that. There's always something liberating about realizing like it's go big or go home. So, you know, get rid of the inhibitions and just go for it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, you know, especially because we've all been in those scenarios with water polo. It's just like, well, there's going to be no tomorrow. So I literally just give it all in this game. And what happens, happens. Yep. Last but not least, we got word of the week. Word of the week. Um, word of the week. Um, but yeah, fickle changing frequently, especially as regards to one's loyalties, interests, or affection. Um, and I just did it just because, you know, a lot of the times, uh, so many people in life can be fickle, but especially sports fans. So I thought it was very poignant with our discussion today. I like that. Yep. Most definitely, Sam. And I mean, it's true. It's true of most fans. I mean, I'm sure soccer uh, or football, however you want to call it, fans would probably argue that they're not so fickle. But I mean, that's just how it's kind of human nature for the most part. Yeah, you know, fandom's always multifaceted, right? So you might root for a team, but if your team's playing another team that is just balling, it's tough not to enjoy that. Yeah, I was having a little bit of that when MSU played. Uh, God, was it Kansas State that they lost to in the tournament this year? Yeah, but just that final play with uh, their point guard who'd been dissecting us the entire freaking game, and he he's pretending to argue with his coach, and he throws the out the reverse alley oop pass for the go ahead basket that won the game. Like that, that was just insane. I was like, well, that sucks to lose, but man, that was an incredible finish to watch. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. O-Town, uh, what'd you bring as your word of the week? Ill-prepared. O-Town? Prepared. Oh, it's all it must be delayed. It's all um, my word of the week was meticulous, and it just means showing great attention to detail, very careful and precise. And one of the reasons why I wanted to use it this week is just because I love how meticulous the really great players are in the NBA with honing their craft. You know, it was one it was one thing when it seemed like Kobe Bryant was the one that was teaching everybody how to do this, but seeing how many younger players are coming into the NBA and already having their skill set so well defined has been, I mean, it just, it makes the playoffs that much more fun to watch. Obviously, you know, the injuries that come along with that extra expertise, one might argue, maybe it's not the best thing, but in terms of fan watchability, it has really made it a lot more fun for me to engage in the regular season NBA. 100%. The talent yep. boom is really exciting. I mean, it definitely makes it easier for them to expand to Vegas and Seattle, which I think is just going to be awesome to watch as well. Definitely. As a fan of a tanking team, I'm a little alarmed about an expansion draft, but 100%. <laughs> it is a good point. Although that could help clear the log jam at the big man spot that you guys are going to have. So, yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not too concerned about that. Like, I don't think Bagley's really anything. If he's a bench big for us, cool. If he's not on the team, whatever. You know, he's kind of a replacement level guy at best, I feel like. Yep. Most definitely. Yeah. And we'll see. If we get Wemby, that's a great problem to have. And if we yeah, scoot, get scoot, it's still, you know, not too bad. Or Brendan Miller, you know, it's we're sitting in an okay position. Those guys are talented basketball players. We'll see how we'll see how it goes. The future's okay. You say something, Jake? Yeah, what do you guys think you could get for the number one Wimbanyama pick? Like let's say Detroit was like, nah, we're good. We'll see what we can get for it. Uh, I just can't imagine for the number one? It. Yeah. No. No. I don't think you can trade a guy like that, can you? No, because that would be, like, I don't think anybody would ever want to be known as the person that traded away the potential pick to get Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron True. James. So True. I just feel like there, and whatever offer it would take to even consider, no team would ever make. Yeah, I I don't think there's a realm in which they'd trade it if I'm, you know, gun to my head had to come up with like, what's the return value package for that? I feel like it's probably something in the ballpark of John ja Moran. Like you're not getting Luka Doncic. You're not getting like a, an MVP candidate because ostensibly that's what you hope you're drafting. Um, you know, so no one's given up the sure thing for a potential, you know, equivalent player, but you know, someone the next tier down like John ja Morant or something like that, I think is, is kind of in that ballpark of, of what Wemby would fetch. Yeah. I would go for, I would go for Utah. If Danny Ainge wants Victor Wembanyama, you give me everything you just got for Rudy Gobert. Because Lori Markinen with Cade and Jaden and James and Jalen, that's probably not too bad. Along with Walker Kessler and the rest of those picks. Like he wanted he wanted Wemby. Let's see how bad he wanted him. Dangle it out there. They have so many assets. Let's go. That'd be wild. Yeah. 
Danny, uh, did you bring a word of the week? Yeah, I uh, I don't have a great way of looping this. And, you know, the one thing they don't talk about enough with amateur podcasting is technical difficulties. But, uh, hey, we're back. Um, <laughs> Danny, uh, you were about to go on with your word of the week. Uh, please continue to regale us. Yeah, of course. Um, so I didn't have a great way of tying this in with the NBA conversation necessarily. So hopefully you guys will forgive me having just a sort of random unrelated word. But the one I chose was meander. Uh, which is a word I think is just very fun to say. Um, I don't know if I'm using the word phoneme correctly, but I'm pretty sure it has some very unique phonemes in the English language. Um, but meander means to follow a winding course, or as a noun, it refers to a winding curve or bend of a river or road. Um, so, you know, if I'm giving it a deeper meaning than just I like the sound of the word, um, I also think it's kind of cool to picture something, you know, that can go in any which direction, but no matter which way it's going, it's always leading to the same destination. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you said it too. It's definitely a fun word to say. And as Most soon as you say, like, I like immediately think picture somebody me meandering around. Yeah. Yeah. But thanks again for coming on the pod. It's always great having you. We're definitely going to have to have you again on a pod where we don't talk NBA, but uh, anything else you want to plug before we call it a wrap? No, I don't think so. Um, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but I feel like I finally got my like white dude in his thirties, you know, membership card by finally being on a podcast. So, you know, thank you guys so much. for making that happen. <laughs> Have you walked around a locker room, men's locker room naked? Cause that also is part of the card. <laughs> Ooh, not yet, not yet. But to be fair, that's more of a lack of opportunity than, you know, deliberately choosing not to. So, you know, as soon as I'm back in the gym or rather get a gym membership, that'll be, you know, top of my list of priorities. Yeah. And some people may argue that's more about the 50 or 60 card, but I feel like the 30 card is also right up there. You have to walk around the lot. Yeah. I mean, it's never too early to get a head start, right? <laughs> Yep. Thanks so much, fellas. Be well. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's, That's it for now. now. Until next time. And, you know, the one thing they don't talk about enough with amateur podcasting is technical difficulties. But, uh, hey, we're back. Um, <laughs> Danny, uh, you were about to go on with your word of the week. Uh, please continue to regale us. 
Yeah, of course. Um, so I didn't have a great way of tying this in with the NBA conversation necessarily. So hopefully you guys will forgive me having just a sort of random unrelated word. But the one I chose was meander, uh, which is a word I think is just very fun to say. Um, I don't know if I'm using the word phoneme correctly, but I'm pretty sure it has some very unique phonemes in the English language. Um, but meander means to follow a winding course or as a noun, it refers to a winding curve or bend of a river or road. Um, so, you know, if I'm giving it a deeper meaning than just I like the sound of the word, um, I also think it's kind of cool to picture something, you know, that can go in any which direction, but no matter which way it's going, it's always leading to the same destination. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you said it too. It's definitely a fun word to say. And as oh, soon sure. as you say, like I, I like immediately think pictures somebody meandering around. Yeah. Yeah. But thanks again for coming on the pod. It's always great having you. We're definitely going to have to have you again on a pod where we don't talk NBA. But uh, anything else you want to plug before we call it a wrap? No, I don't think so. Um, I just want to thank you guys for having me on. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time, but I feel like I finally got my like white dude in his 30s, you know, membership card by finally being on a podcast. So, you know, thank you guys so much for making that happen. Have you walked around a locker room, men's locker room naked? Because that also is part of the card. <laughs> Ooh, not yet. Not yet. But to be fair, that's more of a lack of opportunity than, you know, deliberately choosing not to. So, you know, as soon as I'm back in the gym or rather get a gym membership, that'll be, you know, top of my list of priorities. Yeah. And some people may argue that's more about the 50 or 60 card, but I feel like the 30 card is also right up there. You have to walk around the locker yeah. I mean, it's never too early to get a head start. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Brothers and Others, hosted by the Marsh Brothers. We wanted to remind you to email us at brothersmarsh at gmail.com with any questions you'd like answered on the pod or any topics you'd like covered. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at brothers, capital N, others. Last but not least, ensure to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. That's, That's it for now. now. Until, Until next time. time.